Welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. Hey, welcome to Church at the Well. My name is VJ. I am one of the pastors on staff here. And if you're just joining us today new or you just forgot what happened last week, we are and have been in a series for the last few weeks that we've called This Is Us. Um, what does it mean as a community that we are trying to live out our vision statement of being a church that is, has a deep faith and a wide embrace? Um, and as I said to you when, you, when we started this series, um, it's supposed to help you if you're new here or you're exploring faith or whatever, people ask like, oh, what kind of church is this? What kind of church are you? Or even if you're a regular part of this community, to be reminded, yeah, what does it mean to be us? What kind of church are we? Now, the answer you might give, someone says, oh, what kind of church do you go to? You might have said this. I've said this before. Oh, it's a Christian church. Oh, you're a person of faith. What kind of faith is it? Oh, it's Christian faith. Um, you might say, oh, I am a Christian. Or someone says, oh, you're a Christian. And that kind of makes sense in one sense. And yet, we have to be honest about the fact that the word Christian, for many people, is an unimportant, irrelevant, or possibly even a negative word. For many people, when they hear the word Christian, they think something like this. Or maybe this. Or this. Or this. Maybe this. Or even this. I mean, maybe it's something like this. 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 Or, at the very least, this. Look, maybe for some of you, these are the reasons you stayed away from faith. Or you were a part of it or associated with Christian faith or Christian religion and you left it. Because of some or all of those things. Or perhaps it's kind of like, oh, that's for you, not for me. Or that's the religion you grew up in. You grew up in a Christian home, or you were born in a Christian home. I was born in some other home. That's for you, not for me. Perhaps some of those images are the reasons that many of your friends or family or neighbors, and certainly some of my friends and my neighbors would say, yeah, no thank you, or I wouldn't want anything to do with that, or that's an irrelevant word to me, not for me, or even negative. Um, Perhaps it's one of the reasons that for many people, um, they have rejected faith or religion altogether. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how um, religion itself can become um, or produce often something that is judgmental or shame-filled or conflicted or just people who subscribe to a set of rules but have no real life or change as people. Maybe it stands, that word Christian stands for things that you feel awkward about. So when it comes up in school or in class by a professor or a teacher or something like that, or someone mentions residential schools and the church, you feel awkward or about the fact because people know you're a Christian or you wouldn't want people to know, or people just don't care whether you are or not. You might find it interesting 
surprising, maybe even relieving to know that Jesus never, ever talked about anyone becoming a Christian or being a Christian. In fact, the word Christian is only used three times in the entire Bible, and two of the times it's sort of a negative word or it was used in the early, in the first century as an insult. <laughs> if I could say it this way, Jesus and the writers of the New Testament never envisioned starting a religion called Christian and inviting people to join it. As I said, Jesus never even used the word. But you know what word does appear a few hundred times in the biographies of Jesus and the writings of the New Testament? This word, follow. Follow. Now, this word we kind of like, right? Oh, follow your dreams, follow your plans, follow your ideas, follow your true self, follow your own way. I mean, that certainly fits. It's kind of like the, uh, if we've rejected, in a sense, the religion of our past, the new religion or the anti-religion of the 21st Western, uh, Western world is, yeah, follow your own way. Do your own thing. Be your own person. Follow your own hopes and dreams. It makes sense. If we kind of reject religion because we feel like it's judgy and controlling, then we want to embrace a life that says, no, I follow my own way. I follow my own dreams. I follow my own path. <laughs> and yet, can I suggest that maybe <laughs> if we've traded in religion for anti-religion, we might have actually just exchanged one burden for another. Because if the new religion is follow your own way, <laughs> follow your own dreams, make your own plans, be your own person, it can actually add a weight. We trade one burden for another because if it's up to me, it's all on me. And that can feel like a heavy weight to carry especially if I feel like I'm not able to achieve my dreams. I'm failing, or I don't know what they are, or I don't know how to make them happen. It can be a weight <laughs> if it's all on me, if it's all up to me. And it can also be all about me. <laughs> if it's all about following my dreams, my plans, my purposes, and I can just, not just bearing the weight of it's all up to me, it can actually make me a very selfish person because it's all about me. When Jesus invited people to follow, he was actually inviting them to consider a totally different way of life, a way different than religion, a way different than anti-religion, into something else. And I want you to um, uh, hear this from the words of Jesus and understand why this is so important. What does it mean to actually follow? That Jesus didn't talk very much about being Christian, but he talked a lot about what it means to follow. And so I want you to listen as this is read for us from one of Jesus' biographies, the Gospel of Luke. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Jesus never invited anyone to be a Christian. But what he did say over and over was about being a follower and being a disciple. The words follow and disciple, which we just heard read for us, occur several hundred times in the New Testament, the Gospels of Jesus Christ, and the rest of the New Testament writings. They together describe the invitation. And in fact, some of your translations just use the word follow twice, and they don't even use the word disciple. They're used interchangeably. Jesus, if anyone was follow me, follow me. Like, it's a reiteration of that idea of follow and disciple. 
And we actually need to understand, well, what does this mean? What is the life that Jesus was inviting us into if it was out of religion, out of anti-religion, into something else? It is to this, to be a follower, to be a disciple. And the word follow we might know and the word disciple we might not understand, but really actually for all of us, whether you are exploring faith or new to faith, whether you would consider yourself a Christian for a short period of time or a long period of time, the answer or what this means that Jesus actually invited us to be followers, to be disciples, is of utmost importance to everyone. Listen to what author and, um, and professor Dallas Willard said. He said, the greatest issue facing the world today is whether those who are identified as Christians will actually become disciples of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't think he's overstating it when he says facing the world. <laughs> and by that I mean, even if you are not a Christian, even if you would not consider yourself a Christian, you would want everyone who does to actually become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And hopefully by the end of this message, you'll be like, oh, that's why I would actually want this for everyone. Or perhaps if you are um, considering becoming a Christian, becoming a follower of Jesus, or perhaps, friends, if because of all those images we showed earlier, you're tempted to walk away from all of it because you're like, if that's what it is, I don't want that. I can't defend that. I don't want to bear that name. This is good news that Jesus actually invited us into something else and if we understand what it is, we realize, oh man, we would actually want this for everyone. The first thing to realize when Jesus actually describes this, he uses the word daily, <laughs> which is to say that being a follower or a disciple is not a static way of being, but a dynamic way of life. It's not a static way of being. He says something about doing something on a daily basis. It's maybe, if I can give a very <laughs> sort of weak analogy, it's the difference between saying, I have a gym membership and I go to the gym every day. I have a gym membership is like a static statement. It's a, it's a status, not a status symbol, but it's like just stating, I am a member of such and such a club. And if I wanted to know whether that was true, you would show me your good life card or we'd go into the good life database or whatever and we'd see, oh yes, so-and-so is a member of this gym. But if you said to me, I go to the gym every day, I would probably know that just by watching your life because every time I text you, you're either on the way to the gym or you're at the gym or you're coming home or whenever we go for a run, I'm sucking wind and thinking I'm gonna die and you're carrying along a conversation while you run never breaking a sweat <laughs> because you go to the gym every day. See, one describes a status or a static thing. The other one describes a way of life. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying when he invites people to follow him as his disciple. Jesus is inviting them to adopt a daily way of life. And you might say, well, what? What does that mean? Like, follow what? What way of life? And for that, we kind of need to understand what is this word, like we sort of familiar with the idea of follow, like following Jesus, but what does the word disciple mean? It's not a word we use regularly. Without going into all of the history of sort of ancient Judaism and the, the ancient Near East in the first century, basically when a rabbi, a religious teacher, or someone who represented God would invite someone to follow him, they were inviting them to actually live life with them, to follow them on a daily basis to, so that two things would happen, to be with him and to be like him. 
when someone was invited to be a follower or a disciple of a rabbi, the goal was that they would now begin to be with them on a daily basis and eventually become more like them on a day-in, day-out basis, to be with him and to be like him. It's actually describing two dimensions of the relationship between the disciple and the rabbi, between the one following and the one invited, inviting to follow. This idea to be with him in friendship, like an ongoing relationship, and to become like him as in transformation. Friendship and transformation were the keys to the invitation to follow. And actually, if you read the biographies of Jesus, we just read a little segment from it, but if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will see this all the way through. You will see the disciples with Jesus on a daily basis, eating meals with him, having conversations with him, getting into arguments and debates with him, um, watching his life, experiencing, going through hard things with him, um, experiencing his love and, and feeling the love of God from him. Um, the, him teaching them, him rescuing them through, um, you know, bringing them through hard times, through crisis, facing danger together. It was a daily life-on-life -life relationship between his disciples and him. They were with him. It was how they got to experience his peace, his joy, his love, his friendship. We see this all the way through the gospel. In many ways, um, the biographies of Jesus are not just the biographies of Jesus. They're also the biographies of his followers. In a sense, of course, he's the center of them. But the Gospels describe not just Jesus and his independent life as he came to earth and the superhero and changed everything. The ver the very, very early on in all of the accounts of Jesus' life, he begins to invite followers. And the rest of his biographies are about him and them following him. We get to see what it was like as they were with him. But then the other thing that we see all the way through these biographies is he was inviting them to follow him, was not just to be with him in friendship, but to become more like him. They got to see what Jesus was like, <laughs> and they got to hear or be invited to to become more like him. And to become more like him in a couple of ways, in his character, like as they saw who he was on the inside, humble, generous, free, um, honest, totally himself, not a slave to other people's opinions of him, totally dependent on God, praying to God, trusting in God, loving God. They got to see his inner life <laughs> as what they were invited to become more like on the inside as, as his character. But they also got to see what it would look like to become more like him in his actions and his relationships that he wasn't cozying up to people with wealth and power, which they often expected him to do, or that everyone else in that culture seemed to be doing. But he would align himself with the weak and the powerless. He would seek out those on the margins of society, those that other people didn't consider important or worthy of his time and energy. They got to see how he would interact with people who were his enemies. <laughs> they got to see how he treated um, those that others had rejected. They got to observe how he dealt with offense. They got to see his life and his actions and his relationships, the things and the people he valued. And all along, he was inviting them day by day, not just to be with him in friendship, but to become more like him, to actually become more like him. His goal in inviting them to follow was both intimacy and friendship. 
and transformation in their character, in their actions, and in their relationships. Friends, and we get to see this in the biographies of Jesus, which is why we can categorically reject some of those images that we saw that people think that's what it means to be Christian. We can say with, with certainty and conviction, Jesus is nothing like that. Jesus was never harsh with people that others had rejected or who felt far from God. You know, he was mostly only harsh with the religious people who put a burden of religion and rules on other people, who kept others from God. In a society where women and children were basically property, Jesus constantly affirmed their value and dignity, and he constantly challenged the men of that culture to rethink how they saw and thought and treated women and children. On the one hand, they got to, we get to see that Jesus never defended himself even when he was being accused or marginalized, but he always spoke up for the accused, the victims of injustice, the ones who were oppressed. We get to see and say that Jesus is someone who constantly through his life and his teaching tore down the walls that separated people with the well-built walls in his culture that separated people because of race or ethnicity or social class or gender. We get to see and say that Jesus never uh, was interested in holding or using political power. Neither was he willing to be manipulated by political power. We get to see and say with conviction that Jesus used whatever power and influence he had in the service of the powerless and the weak. Friends, we can categorically say Jesus is nothing like that. Or perhaps some of you who have said, oh, if that's what Christian means, I want no part of it. You get to see Jesus saying, no, I'm inviting you to look at my life in a different way. We are, in a sense, as disciples, as Christians, invited to become like him like that. Not only to experience the joy and the peace and the love that we get from having a friendship with Jesus through his spirit, that we get to actually, we're not with him in the flesh now, but he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so that you can know me on the inside like that, that we get to be with him <laughs> and experience love and joy and peace and do life with him, but that we also get to become like him. And look, even if you're not, like I said, if you're not a Christian, if I describe who Jesus is, right, someone who um, uh, was for the weak and the marginalized, who was tearing down the walls of racism and sexism and ethnocentrism and classism, like we get to see all of that and we say, oh yeah, I, I, do, I would definitely want everyone who calls himself a Christian to become more like that. Man, wouldn't the world be so different if everyone who called themselves a Christian was actually more like Jesus? experiencing peace and joy and love from being with him and having his character and taking on the actions he took and treating people the way he treated them in their relationships to become more like him. That is what we admire about Jesus. And in some degree, it's what we want everyone else to be. <laughs> but here's the kicker. When Jesus invites us to be with him and to be like him, it means that we have to die. <laughs> right? He says this, If anyone wants to be my disciple, they must take up their cross daily and follow me. Friends, the beautiful life that Jesus invites us into to experience his peace and his love and joy and friendship, to become more like him in his character and the way he treats other people, it may seem and sound good, but it's really hard because Jesus says, if anyone wants that, they must die 
daily. Take up their cross and follow me. Now that word, take up their cross, his disciples literally would have seen people at certain times, maybe a few times, maybe a lot, in their three years together with Jesus and in their lives even before they met Jesus, they would have seen people walking through the streets of Jerusalem carrying a cross on their way to be executed on that cross. That's what the Romans did, right? It was the most cruel form of execution and punishment, and they would make people who were on their way to a painful death carry their cross through the streets on the way to execution. And so Jesus borrows this very graphic image that they would have seen, and he says, hey, if anyone wants to follow me, you got to do that every day. (laughs) To carry your cross. What does that mean? What do they mean? If you want to follow me, if you want to be with me and to become like me, you got to die every day. (laughs) Here's what that means. You see, whether you choose religion or anti-religion, Ultimately, we're choosing them both because we get to be the Lord of our own lives, right? We gravitate towards religion. We like religion because we are in control. Tell me the rules. Tell me the holy place. Tell me the holy book. Tell me the things I need to do, and I'll do them, and I get God's blessing. Or I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm in control. I make sense. This is religion is something I do, and therefore I get the blessing, or I get the love, or I get the commendation of God. That's how religion works. I'm in control, and we gravitate towards it because we like to be in control, (laughs) But if we ever feel controlled by it, then we throw it off and we adopt anti-religion, which is a different form of the same thing. I am the Lord of my life. I am, as the poem Invictus says, I am the captain of my soul, right? I decide where I'm going, my dreams I pursue. I follow my dreams, my plans, my hopes, and I am in control. Essentially, I am the Lord of my life. (laughs) And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you have to die to being in control and let me become the Lord of your life not you. This is what it means to follow him, is that he becomes the leader and Lord of our life and not us. He says, if you want to follow me, that's what it means to be a Christian. It is a dynamic, daily death to myself, my desires, my need to control, and to follow Jesus and trust him to be the leader and Lord of my life. To which you would say, Jesus, why on earth would I ever do that? Right? If we're honest, right? None of us want that. Whatever you call yourself. None of us want to surrender our desires, to die to ourselves, to actually have to live to serve others and to serve God. Why would we ever do this? (laughs) Well, Jesus gives us the answer in this passage. He says, look, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. This word save and this word life are really important. It's like he's saying, hey, if you hang on tightly to life, and this word life comes from the Greek word suke, or where we get the word psyche, but it actually means everything. That word suke describes the body, the mind, the emotions, relationships, everything. It was like the sum total of all of life. He says, whoever holds tightly grips life as in it's mine, He said, you lose it. It slips through your fingers. He even says, look, there are people who live their whole lives living for themselves, but they lose what's most important. They actually lose their life. He says, but whoever is willing to lay down your life or to to give up your life in the service of God and others, you will actually get life. He says, this is why you would do this crazy thing to make me the leader and Lord of your life instead of you. 
is because you get life. See, the goal when Jesus says, take up your cross, die daily, is not self-denial. That's not the goal. The goal is life in all of its fullness. The goal is the life of Jesus. What they saw, what we see of Jesus in his character, in his peace, in his dependence on God, his sense of knowing that God loved him, his identity, his freedom to be himself, his freedom to love others, his freedom to even love his enemies, his freedom to know when to speak up, when to be silent, his freedom to tear down the walls that separated people, his freedom to change the world. That is life. (laughs) He says, if you want that, follow me. Let me be the leader and Lord of your life. How do we know that that's true? How do we know that Jesus isn't just lying to us, just trying to start a new religion and manipulate these people to get him, get them to follow him or us? Easter. (laughs) Easter is how we know it's true. See, Easter proved that if you give up your life for God and others, God will give it back to you better. Friends, that's what Easter celebrates. It's not just the death of Jesus for our sins. Yes, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but that is not the sum total of what the death of Jesus means. In fact, he says to them, if anyone would follow me, you would take up your cross daily and follow me. They had no idea that in a couple of days, he was literally going to take up a cross and go all the way to death them, not just to die for them, but to model for them a new way of life. And what happened when Jesus dies, when he gives up his life for others, for his enemies, when he allows himself to, to be killed instead of to kill his enemies? What happens? Three days later, God raised him from the dead with a totally brand new body and a brand new life. It was like he was saying, hey, I'm telling you, it's true. If you are willing to give up your life, to lay down your life, to use whatever power or influence you have on a daily basis, right? He says, die daily. Jesus went and died once for us, so we don't have to die that death. But he says, every day, die to your desires, die to your selfish instincts, die to your desire to be in control, die to your desire to live life for yourself. If you are willing to die to that every day and lay down your life for God and for others, God will give you back life to the full. Jesus' death and resurrection become the example of this way of life. So what does this mean for you, for us? Well, man, if you are considering (laughs) following Jesus, if if you even have this new understanding maybe today of like, what does it mean to be a Christian? There's no such thing as being a Christian. (laughs) It's about being a follower of Jesus. If you're considering that, Maybe you're not ready to (laughs) jump into that invitation, but I would invite you to take a closer look. Take a closer look at the one who is inviting you to follow him. You can do that by reading one of his biographies. We just read a portion today from one that I'd suggest. Read from the biography of Luke. And you can watch this TV series that's in its third season now, uh, the largest crowdfunded television show ever called The Chosen. And it's actually about the disciples. It's about the ones Jesus invited to follow. It gives you a beautiful picture of what does it mean to actually become a follower of Jesus. But then, for those of you that would say, yeah, I I am a Christian, or maybe I'm going to use a new term. In fact, I'd love it if we all just started using a Let's not call ourselves Christians anymore. Let's call ourselves followers of Jesus. (laughs) Someone's asking you, oh, you have a faith? What kind? Oh, I follow Jesus. Oh, what kind of church is it? Oh, we talk about Jesus because we follow Jesus. Let's start using it. Can we just agree? Hold hands. We're going to do that. (laughs) 
I want you to just have a few moments here at the end of this message to think about your own life and say, okay, yeah, what does it look like for me if this is a way of life and not a static thing, like I'm a Christian, but I am a follower of Jesus? How close am I following? What does it look like to be with him and to be like him? So here's just a couple of statements I want to give you as we close the service to reflect on your own journey of following Jesus. First, what does it look like to be with him every day? Every day to pray for the Holy Spirit to give you his peace, his love, his joy. Taking time to express your love and gratitude to Jesus. Reflecting, maybe at the end of the day, on how he has been with me throughout the day. Reading scripture as often as I can to meet him. These are some of the things that describe what it means to be with Jesus, to follow him like that. And then to be like him. Which means praying for aspects of his character to be given to you. As you meet him in scripture saying, Jesus, oh, I want to be more like that. I need to be more humble. I want to be more free. I want to be more generous. Reflecting on how your habits and hangups and rough edges have changed. What things are changing? Maybe what things aren't changing. Asking for his strength to serve someone specific that day. Asking him for wisdom in how to use the money, influence, or time that he's given to you. Inviting him to direct the day's events and conversations towards his purposes and plans. You can even just take a moment now to stop and just quietly ask the Holy Spirit for help, for strength, for any one of these things, maybe something in the list of like what it means to be with him or to be like him, where you think, oh, I want that more in my life. I want to be more close to Jesus, following him more closely in this way. Just take a moment right now and just ask the Holy Spirit in your heart, in your head, to give you the strength to be able to do that more.